Father, I am so grateful for this opportunity to share my experience, strength, and hope with others. It's not what I have to say, but how your Holy Spirit resonates this message to those here. Allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be pleasing to you, my Lord. Amen. Amen. So my addiction manifests itself through adultery, seeking affirmation from other women, both emotionally and physically, which has consumed 30 years of my 40-year marriage. I've tried to write my story several times, but always get stuck. Part of me says it's not so traumatic, but another part says there are others just like me with the same fears or excuse not to write their story. Regardless of what I feel, I do recognize this, this is an essential part of my recovery journey. In Jeremiah 1, verse 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I set you apart. This comforts me to know that I have value to God. I was born and raised in Turlock, California, about seven months after my parents got married. I remember my dad telling me that the worst day of it, that was the worst day of his life because of my mom's attention was directed to me instead of him. In my younger years, I can remember the physical and mental abuse that was inflicted by my father. My youngest sister seemed to get the brunt of the physical abuse. Nevertheless, all of us siblings had to watch. I realized later that in each and every event that I could remember, I could never remember my mom being present. This is where my sense of abandonment developed. They say that trauma experienced at a young age, whether great or small, is still trauma, and it has carried with you your entire life. The abuse, whether physical, emotional, benign, is still considered abuse. Because of my father's anger, and abuse, I learned to become invisible, never stepped out of line, questioned anyone or anything, essentially having no self-worth. Although I experienced several traumatic events during my early childhood years, one of the happiest days of my life was when my parents got a divorce and my father moved out. Later, I found out that was due to his physical abuse to my mother, us kids, plus his multiple affairs and because of my mom's affair. I guess we were just a family of affairs. I hadn't realized at that point that I had been inadvertently taught I was inadequate. And then if I was going to have value, it would be based on what I did rather than who I was. I can remember the first girl that exposed herself to me, kind of a show and tell incident when I was about 10. I can remember the first girl I had sex with in high school. We were so naive that eventually she got pregnant and went through an abortion process. I can remember sleeping with other young girls during and after high school until I met my first wife. We moved in together, which caused a lot of drama on her side of the family, so we got married about six months later. The first year was good. My daughter, I, we had my daughter in December of 1979. The following year wasn't so good. I had anger issues and fell back into my old habits, seeking affirmation from other women and sleeping with them if I got the chance. The year after that was better, and we had my son in April of 1981. But my anger and adultery habits returned, and things quickly went downhill from there until our divorce in 1982. It was a bitter divorce, 
and all I wanted to do was run, something I found I was good at, avoidance. Avoidance and isolation was a safe place for me. So I packed up and traveled for a bit, working in Arizona, then to Texas, and finally ending up in Alaska. All the while avoiding my obligations to my daughter and son. Seems that I was following my father's footsteps after all with benign neglect, instilling a negative core belief that my kids are worthless to me. During my time in Alaska, I found my current wife. We dated for a very short period and then moved in together. We got married quickly and then we had our son one year later. I noticed that while I was in Alaska, my hurts, habits, and hangups were all stuffed away in a drawer. Anger issues were left in California and all the blame placed on my first wife. I believed I was the victim. I reestablished the relationship with my two older kids and even had them come to Alaska to, to spend summers with us. After about five years and due to economic conditions in Alaska and our mutual love for horses, we decided to move to California to raise our family. I preceded my wife and son, lived with my mom and now stepdad in Turlock, and got a job while my wife packed up our belongings, rented the house, and joined me a few months later. It was shortly after my return to the area that I found my unhealthy behaviors returning. I didn't understand my crash in the first place, so I was destined to repeat it. Proverbs 26:11, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. I was flirting with other women, going online to chat rooms, setting up profiles on single sites, all the while neglecting my wife, son, and now our newborn daughter. I chose to work long hours and soon took a job five hours away from home for eight months just to get away and play single. During that period, I even had a girlfriend move in with me for a couple months. All the time lying to my wife and playing the victim card that it was a job that was keeping me away from home. This period of chasing other women, surfing the internet, trying to meet up with these women for lunch or sex continued until our 20th year when I announced to my wife that I never really loved her and was leaving, devastating her and the kids. I had hidden my secret life so well that no one ever suspected I was having multiple affairs. For the next nine months, I proceeded to chase other women looking for something to fill that giant hole that was originally left by my family of origin. Then one day, I was in my truck, stopped it, and an immense sense of grief came over me, and I heard God's voice say to me, plain as day, I gave you this woman to be your wife, and I broke down sobbing. I knew I needed to reconcile with my wife. We started counseling and regularly attending church. During that period, I gave my life to Christ and got baptized. I gave up my old habits but failed to clean up the mess. About a year later, I finally confessed to my wife about the affairs. It broke her heart again and created a wall between us for about six years. I tried my hardest to stay loyal to my wife in a monogamous relationship, but the old habits returned. As I mentioned before, since I didn't understand my crash, I was destined to repeat it and repeat it. I reestablished some of the previous relationships and got caught up 
all caught up in social media, checking out women's profiles, trying to get connected up, and going back to the insanity of the craziness. I had returned to the old life of maintaining the loving Christian husband to my family and friends, all the while chasing after other women. It was like the binge purge cycle, get my fix, then go pray and ask for forgiveness. There were times that I was so depressed that I hated myself so much that I wished God would just take me out. Looking back, this reminds me of the parable that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 12, 43 and 45, which says, <clears throat> now when the unclean spirit comes out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house from which I came, and when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings along with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they come and live there, and the last condition of that person becomes worse than the first. I was fighting my, for my soul against the raging urges to act out, wanting desperately to come out of the sexual, sexual addiction jungle. I would look at other faithful husbands with their wives and figured I just didn't have enough willpower. I was doomed for failure. Finally, in early 2019, God answered my prayers in another way. One day, my wife came to me with a three-inch stack of papers containing all my written emails, text messages, social media messages to other women and asked me to explain it. And I couldn't, so she asked me to leave. God finally got my attention. And I knew I had to do something different. In Isaiah 55, 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. I got connected up with a men's group at Big Valley Grace, which led me to the Tuesday night Celebrate Recovery group. <laughs> Through CR, I discovered I was not alone, that my struggles were more common than I thought. I had to face my pain rather than thinking I could go into my cave hoping to be fixed. I had to turn and face my fears and run into the darkness. There and only there was I able to bring the sin to light and expose it for what it really was. Through God's grace and mercy, he put people and other program opportunities in my path to propel my journey to recovery. I believe that Romans 12, 2 says it best. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Healing begins by understanding the nature of my addiction. I had finally recognized I had to let go, to let go of embracing the identity of being the victim, to accept God's forgiveness, to let go of keeping my hopes, fears, needs, and desires to myself understanding that the safe place I called isolation was just self-protection from unwanted vulnerability in relationships. Working through the programs, I had to learn empathy, learn to accept the small victories, to realize that just because I had given my life over to Christ doesn't mean that God drained all the hormones out of my body. I had to stop shaming and attacking myself. Through these programs, I finally could get a glimpse of the tremendous pain that I had inflicted upon my wife and kids, the selfish behaviors, and being an emotionally absent member of the family. Thinking that if I could keep the secret, 
Maybe I could resolve this on my own. I was stuck in my own emotional immaturity with an intimacy disorder, but things were about to change. I needed to face the fact that I chose my behavior in the past, but reality chooses my consequences in the present. I learned that I had to do different. I had to get out of my comfort zone. I had to openly share with other brothers my struggles. Going through the 12-step program of recovery helped me to recognize my denial, allowed me to let go and accept God's control, to really look at the trauma in my life, understanding my part, making the amends, and looking at the unhealthy behaviors and letting God make the changes in me. Learning that my recovery journey continues with reaching out and helping other men with similar struggles. I was tremendously blessed with a wife that was willing to take this recovery journey with me. She believed and saw in me the things I, could ne I, could, I never could or refused to accept. Even in her painful moments, she would read the study materials I was doing, and even though she now recognizes and understands my addiction battle, she also knows that I made unhealthy choices. And I have learned to take full ownership of those choices and the consequences. My brokenness affected my ability to love, trust, and relate. I can look back now and see that my wife was usually right about my hangups and hurts. She can see my inner woundedness like no one else can. God blessed me immensely by putting people and programs in the path of my recovery journey. My sponsor, my accountability partners, friends, and families that have walked beside me during this journey. I was so grateful for the Hope and Healing Weekend Intensive Ministry that got me to see through my wife's eyes tremendous hurt and pain that I had caused. The Patrick Carnes studies, Out of the Shadows, Shadows of the Cross, Facing the Shadows, Recovery Zone, that helped me to look deeper into the root cause of my unhealthy behaviors. CR for the great opportunities to participate and facilitate small groups and 12-step programs so that I could bring the sin to light to openly share and to help others. The Pure Desire Studies, Sexual Addiction 101, the Conquer Series, and I'll soon be getting Seven Pillars of Freedom so that I can continue my recovery journey by digging deeper into the root causes, getting the freedom, and becoming a mentor to other men. I'm so grateful that God blessed these hurting, broken people with a gift to do all the painful research, studies, and then be able to share their stories and recovery journeys. This gives me great hope for what God has planned in my life. I think the two biggest breakthroughs in my recovery journey was having to step into my wife's shoes and look at all the hurt and pain I had caused her, and then to sit down and verbally express what that pain felt like. It was pretty unbearable. I broke down sobbing. The second was a timeline I had to, to prepare during the shadow studies. I had to list all the times I had acted out during my entire life and then openly share with the other men in the group. After that, I shared the entire timeline with my wife for a full disclosure. During the 12-step program, I realized that I needed to really look into the missing relationship with my dad and to admit my part, forgive, and try to make amends. In the past, any of the attempts, I always ended up the same, with him only talking about his life and never asking about my life, my family, work, grandkids, nothing.
This again validated the sense of worthlessness in me. So I sat down and wrote him a letter apologizing for my past behaviors and forgiving him. He did reach out and acknowledge receipt and appreciated it. We talked for a bit on the phone, but again, it was all about what was going on in his life and never any questions about mine. I left the door open for him to call if he wanted, but it never happened. Last year, he passed away, still never reaching out to me. I realized that door would never be opened again. My earthly father never knew me, never cared to know me or my family, and I've come to accept his shortcomings. The recovery process can be a lifelong journey. However, my addiction does not define me. I am a child of God who is dearly loved. Sobriety is not enough for me. For me, it's obtaining full recovery. My favorite principle is number eight, which says, yield myself to God to be used to bring the good news to others, both by my example and my words. I am also particularly fond of step 12, which says, having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. It's about sharing my experience, strength, and hope with others. Most importantly, it's about letting, know, letting them know they are not alone. Like I said, for me, it's not about sobriety. I could white-knuckle it for the next 20 years, claim that I am sober, but that's not what God has planned for my life. In John 10.10, Jesus says to us that the thief comes only to steal and destroy, but that he came so that we could have life and have it abundantly. If these programs were about sobriety, it'd be called Celebrate Sobriety, or CS. But it's not. It's called CR, Celebrate Recovery. And that's what God wants for me. Romans 8, 12 says, But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For the newcomer, the second timer, or even those that feel stuck, remember that God knew you before you were and has already written your life. Trust in him, believe in the programs, seek and find accountability partners, sponsors, so that you can work through the process with a community. We were made for relationships. If, we do, if I don't give myself permission to develop great friendships, I will miss out on a sense of belonging and knowing that I am truly loved. Life will be merely about existing, which is not what God called for me to do. We can't do this alone, and we are not alone in our struggles. Thank you for letting me share. Well, Bruce, thank you for sharing. I remember the moment of that timeline. That's my favorite exercise in that class, by the way because it just is so encouraging to see people walk through that. You guys can be seated for a few seconds. I'm going to talk because we've got a little bit of time, so I'm going to take advantage of that because I'm a pastor. 